0: Welcome back to Mastering Meatail, a podcast brought to you by Digital Commerce at Essential. This is the last episode of our Walmart season. Can you believe it? But as you know, the learning never stops and there are so many more resources that Essential and White Spider have out there to help you continue learning. We even have seasons on Amazon and Instacart that you should listen to too. But without further ado, today we are going to cover the Walmart marketplace. We'll demystify any questions or hesitations you might have with entering, We'll talk some more about Nespresso as we did in our Amazon season, and you'll hear again about some of the greatness in the state of Arkansas.
1: My name is Corey Hammond, and I am the VP of Product Strategy over at White Spider. Before that, probably now coming up on three years ago, I actually used to work for Walmart e-commerce as a category specialist. So main idea is managing the P&L for a category within walmart.com.
0: And I should introduce myself too. My name is Emma Irwin, your host for this series. When I'm not talking to my lovely colleagues at White Spider, I'm usually trying to drive growth for my clients on Amazon at another essential digital commerce brand, Flywheel Digital. Enough about me. Back to Corey, who mentioned that he used to work for Walmart. Let's hear how he ended up working for White
1: Spider. What I actually ended up doing at the end of 2019 was I left walmart.com to start my own business called dotcom partners and we were able to build up a team that consisted entirely of ex Walmart merchandisers and then during that entire time we were actually working with White Spider to use their tech and last year uh, in July we ended up merging with White Spider and then shortly after we were acquired by Essential so been a bit of a roller coaster over this past year but I've learned a ton and everything that I theorized three years ago of this is where Walmart is going to end up really is coming to fruition. So it's it's really exciting to talk with you, Emma, about Walmart marketplaces because it is like very top of mind. Uh, I feel like every time I talk about Walmart marketplace, people are clicking on that link trying to figure out, okay, how do I get in? How do I Actually, grow the business and diversify sales away from Amazon.
0: And I think it's pretty nice to talk to Corey. And you know by now that I had to ask, what is the last thing you purchased at Walmart? Do you even shop at Walmart?
1: Of course, (laughs) of course I shop on Walmart.
0: (laughs) Okay, okay. I know you're in New York City, so I feel like that's a valid question.
1: Oh no, that's a that's a great question. So yes, I shop on Walmart.com. I usually try to go there first before going to Amazon. Part of the reason is because the curation. I feel like although the assortment is smaller on Walmart and there are items you just can't find on walmart.com, the items that I do find, it doesn't feel like it's one of a thousand of that item. So I I don't think it's, uh, it's something that I am able to shop on every day. But I always make an intent to to shop on walmart.com. It's also to benefit our whole message with White Spider and Walmart Marketplace being a, a big focus of ours.
0: So what was the last thing you got?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, since I'm at a computer, let me just pull up my profile. Here we go. Paper towels. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is so exciting.
1: I know. Paper towels and dryer sheets
0: the the staples
1: yeah the staples i guess that's that's the thing with walmart where usually i use walmart for those consumables you know it's a reliable marketplace that has brands that are trusted and that's you know very much in line with the customer type at walmart they're walking up and down the aisles they familiarize themselves with brands and that's one of the major challenges with these marketplace sellers when they have their own private label on Amazon and they think, okay, I can replicate this on walmart.com. The problem is brand brand awareness, brand familiarity. and So it's this big challenge we've seen. Even when I was growing dot partners, we had clients that had a private label on Amazon going into Walmart. We were managing their assortment and we just weren't seeing the kind of growth they were hoping for. So it, it is a, larger issue. But that being said, with Walmart advertising, and now with the Walmart DSP being launched, there are ways where you can create that awareness and uh, become relevant to customers' needs.
0: Okay. One last question before we go full swing marketplace. So I'm going to ask you now, and then we're going to come back to it at the end. It's a good way to kind of round out the interview, but... What is something that has been on your digital wish list, which means that either lives in a car, in a tab, in your head, whatever, but something that's been on your digital wish list for a long time that you just won't press purchase on? And I'll ask you why when we come back to it at the end.
1: All right. So I don't need to answer that now. I can just think about it.
0: Correct. Just think about it. Okay. With that covered, let's get into the marketplace. When we refer to the marketplace on Walmart.com, I wanted to clarify that this refers to 3P or third-party activity from sellers and suppliers on Walmart. When you're scrolling through walmart.com and see Ships and Sold by Walmart, that is not considered 3P or the Marketplace, which is something that I didn't know. I'll have Corey take it over from here.
1: Yeah, of course. So Walmart consists of two main channels, 1P and 3P. So I'll explain 1P first so that we can get to what is Marketplace. So 1P is a combination of Walmart-owned inventory. So Walmart talks to a vendor. They say, I want these SKUs in my Walmart warehouse. This is the cost I'm willing to pay for it. And then there's a back and forth. Cost negotiations go on. And once they land on a price, then Walmart starts distributing POs, purchase orders. So that's one part to 1P. The other part to 1P is dropship vendor or DSV for short. So that's, again, negotiating on price There might be a slight increase in price due to the fact that the vendor would be fulfilling the order on behalf of Walmart, but it all goes through an EDI feed. And when the customer places an order on walmart.com, the order goes to the warehouse. They then fulfill the order and they are given a shipping label that's paid by Walmart. So to the customer, it doesn't look any different. They're seeing on the product page, sold and fulfilled by walmart.com. And there's no no thought of this is not a Walmart-owned product. So that's 1P. Now with 3P, that is basically marketplace. The customer is on a product page. They see that it's sold, sold and shipped by white spider let's just say white spider got into the product game and they are selling uh coffee mugs and you go to a coffee mug page it says sold and shipped by white spider now the big difference is that walmart does not negotiate price with you they just have a 15 percent take rate so you're selling a hundred dollar mug it's like gold plated there's platinum at the bottom of the mug so it has to be a hundred dollars The customer buys it and Walmart gets 15 bucks. The shipping is paid for by the seller. So White Spider has to pay for that shipping. White Spider is shipping it out of either their warehouse or more recently, what's become available is Walmart fulfillment services. So that is Walmart's basically response to FBA fulfilled by Amazon and a lot of sellers are adopting that, especially those who are coming from Amazon to Walmart and actually have no warehouse presence. So that wasn't really a possibility a year or two ago, and of course now we're seeing many more Amazon sellers get over to Walmart and WFS is one of the reasons why.
0: Before we talk more about the marketplace as its own entity, I needed to know how someone might even get themselves set up on Walmart marketplace.
1: You could do one of one or two things. One is you just go to Walmart Marketplace, they're basically like portal, and you would apply there. The other option for those of you listening is you can actually reach directly out to White Spider and we'll actually we'll plug. Yeah. We'll, we'll help you <laughs> not skip the line, but just receive priority review. So when you apply through our links, Walmart sees us as a not just a connected content partner, but also a Walmart marketplace partner. So anyone we send to Walmart to apply, they're just getting that extra look. Walmart systems have a lot of automation in place that may automatically reject you. But for us, we can actually help you through that process. So I encourage everyone to reach out to White Spider or reach out to essential or even talk to your flywheel account manager and we'll help you out there.
0: Is it any harder to get yourself set up as a seller on Amazon versus Walmart?
1: Yeah, it's it's really difficult. <laughs> There's a reason why Walmart marketplace isn't over a million sellers, but it's for good reason. I think that the bad press that's come out on just the amount of noise on Amazon and dishonest sellers has really damaged Amazon's brand. And... Walmart, like what I just said earlier, Walmart's watching. They're seeing, okay, Amazon messed up on this. Let's not repeat history. And let's have a really strict process for reviewing these applications and making sure that we're not welcoming uh, fraudulent sellers. The Walmart requires a DUNS number to apply. So they need to see credit history. They need to see a whole bunch of stuff on your business. So they're not just going to accept anyone. And from an international seller standpoint, Walmart is only just starting to roll this out and they're being very, very picky with uh, China-based sellers, making sure that they're providing incremental assortment and even just like high quality products to ensure that it doesn't damage the customer shopping experience.
0: I have one more question about assortment. So say you're a seller or a vendor on Amazon, doesn't really matter. And you have this assortment. Forget the content part of things, but could you just take this assortment and bring it over to Walmart? Would that work? Should you like test it out?
1: Yeah, certainly test it out. Pick your 20% top sellers on Amazon and throw them over to Walmart, see what happens. But the key thing is you you say, don't don't worry about the content, but that's kind of the core too. <laughs> no, Walmart. I know,
0: I know, I know. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs>
1: um, so, so yeah, I think the... The assortment, it's fine to send it over to Walmart. I, I don't see any problem with that. One thing to just keep in mind is you need some sort of fulfillment method. You can't do FBA. So whether that's your WFS or your own warehouse, you just got to be aware of understanding how do we actually get this to the customer in time. So that's the only thing I could think of. But yeah, there's no reason why they wouldn't be able to send things over to to Walmart and expect some sales.
0: So now you've got some of the marketplace logistics under your belt. Sure, we could talk about the marketplace all day, but it's tough to really know what's going on, in any aspect of e-com really, if you haven't actually gone through the process of setting things up. With that, Corey mentioned to me that filling in assortment gaps in the marketplace is a great strategy for where to start your Walmart marketplace business. So I asked him if he knew of any assortment gaps that are currently out there.
1: Oh gosh, Uh, I feel like it changes every month or so because when you see the gap, then people are jumping in to fill it. When I was at Walmart, one of the biggest gaps we had was uh, premium brands. So I worked in the home department, and one of our biggest efforts was to get Nespresso, Nespresso products into Walmart.com. And this was a huge effort from our like VPs and the GMs within Walmart, and we successfully got them. And uh, it was quite the process, but once we filled that gap, we started seeing that increase in sales. And part of the reason why we wanted to get the premium inventory or premium products in the first place was because we saw it through the search results. And we saw that the drop-off rate was very high after people search for these premium products on Walmart. So it's not that we just want to say, oh, we work with Nespresso. It's we're meeting the needs of our customers because they're showing us they want it.
0: Why do you think Nespresso gave Walmart a hard time about jumping in?
1: Well, Walmart has a reputation of everyday low price. And to customers, that sounds really great because they can afford, you know, everyday products at a reasonable price, no matter where they are in the nation. And so the focus has always, always been the customer. Now, with these premium products, the price is not everyday entry-level pricing, so OPP, opening price point. It's gonna be a little higher than that. And so I think what's happened in the past is that Walmart buyers will come in and start working with these premium brands, but they're leading the conversations talking about everyday low price. And when that is the leading motivator, when negotiating cost, or just trying to help out a customer's wallet, the brands can be turned off by that because then it deteriorates the brand's image. So Nespresso or any other brand that might've been that higher price point, they could see in the past that Walmart would deteriorate the price. Yes, to benefit the customer and increase greatly increase top line revenue, but at the detriment to the brand's view in the world that it is a premium product. So it took a lot of work, a lot of time to try and get everything in line to show premium brands that we won't deteriorate their brand image. And right now we're sort of seeing this um, transition where these premium brands that are much older than like D2C brands that we see today their leadership is looking for more revenue some of these companies are publicly traded and so it makes me think okay they're they're saying all right finally like let's do walmart let's increase that top line it's okay if the bottom line is slightly affected but we gotta make sure we continue showing our stock our uh, shareholders we can continue increasing revenue so there are a lot of things at play that is allowing walmart to get these premium brands but you know it's again all focused on the the customer
0: and flipping my question because i started from the brand perspective going back to walmart premium brands like you said doesn't necessarily hit a key in my head as repping walmart is it all because there's a customer need for these brands and that's what makes it worth it
1: yeah there's a customer need yeah i think you're you're completely right it's it's just that we have customers looking for a product. We are the merchandisers. Let's go out and find that product for them.
0: I was, before we came out to Arkansas, looking out of curiosity at walmart.com. And I searched Gucci bags just to see what would come up. And there is actually one seller of Gucci bags on Walmart. And I can't confirm that these bags are real, but with the pricing, you would think that they are real because they're all like $3,000 or more. Mm -hmm. But I was just actually really surprised to see Gucci bags populate on Walmart.
1: <laughs> There's a uh, team uh, within Walmart, at least when I was there, their job is entirely luxury goods. So the even specifically the beauty team, they have a whole team dedicated to luxury beauty products, and that actually has done very well on Walmart.com. But I remember when I was at Walmart, we knew who the guy was that was in charge of luxury textiles and all that. And so he would, we would sometimes post in our own Slack group internally at Walmart saying, hey, is this thing real? And the guy has to jump in and be like, yes, they're real. I promise you guys it is a real product. So you're right to question it. But I guess the question to you is, why would you feel hesitant? Is it actually because Amazon has trained you to be hesitant? Like a too-good-to-be-true kind of assortment?
0: Ooh, ooh, flipping the script there. This is a great segue into one of Corey's three tips for winning on Walmart Marketplace. First tip is that you should register your brand with Walmart Marketplace.
1: It's one thing to get set up on Marketplace, but the problem is you'll start to see some fraudulent listings depending on how popular your product is, and if you've sold it to resellers and then you start seeing resellers selling resellers <laughs> it can get pretty it can get pretty messy out there so registering your brand with Walmart's official brand portal, portal it gives you this leverage with Walmart where you can go to a listing if you see that it's using imagery that is actually yours so copyright infringement or if you look at reviews and customers say I bought this and I didn't get the right item and the seller won't respond to me, X, Y, Z. You could actually create a case with Walmart and tell them, hey, the customer shopping experience is really being uh, negatively affected here. I own this brand. I don't know who this seller is. They are not authorized to sell my product. You should probably remove them for the benefit of your customer. So again, you gotta use the the fact that every Walmart employee thinks of the customer. So you need to include that in the case, the case that you would create for that that seller infringement.
0: Earlier in this episode, Corey had expressed his concern when I'd asked him a question where I wanted him to forget about content for a second. But this leads us into Corey's second tip, which is that you should never just copy and paste your Amazon content into your Walmart listings.
1: Yeah, of course. So funny enough, people don't realize that search algorithms are different on every single website. And Walmart's, I think is probably the more unique one, because it's driven from a merchandising and brick and mortar mindset. So I I give the example of the keyword stuffing that goes on on Amazon. Imagine if you saw that title of a product on a Walmart shelf, like in store. How, how confusing would that be? Like, think about that. It'd be the longest title ever. So when Walmart created their own e-commerce platform, they applied that same idea to their website. So titles shouldn't be greater than 75 to 100 characters. The structure should be very uh, uniform within each product type or category. So for some, it, it, let's just say conditioner, it's going to be brand hair type, color, if it's like a coloring agent, and then a case count. And so those things need to be applied to every single product in that category. Because again, look at it from a customer standpoint, you don't want a customer to be reading through 500 characters in a title, just give them what they want. And Walmart also heavily leans into attribution So when the customer does search for very specific uh, conditioners, the search algo is actually looking at the attributes, not just the title and description. So there's a lot going on in the background that sellers may not think are important, but they are important to the algo. So if you copy and paste all of your Amazon content into Walmart, sure, you can check the box that you created content but it's completely irrelevant to what the Walmart search algo actually wants. So you can either use Walmart's internal tools to optimize your content according to what Walmart wants it to look like, or you can use Essential, you could use Flywheel, you could use White Spider to optimize the content for you. And we do this every single day. We actually have a specific program called the Content Excellence Program. That does just this. We'll get your assortment. We'll optimize it all for you. You don't have to worry about it.
0: Corey's last point, after making sure to register your brand and not just copy and paste your Amazon content into your Walmart listings, is to be smart about your time and resource allocation to walmart.com. These,
1: these emerging marketplaces, they require a lot of upfront work in terms of onboarding and getting your items listed and optimized. But you don't want to you don't want to duplicate your Amazon resources to walmart.com. Walmart only accounts between 7 to 10% of total U.S. e-commerce sales. So you need to go into walmart.com knowing it's not an exact replica of Amazon customers and Amazon sales. So knowing whether you find one individual or a couple people within your organization to take the lead on emerging marketplaces or outsourcing to a team like flywheel it's important to be very smart about your resources being spent on walmart and elsewhere because the biggest risk is you put too many resources into it then you look at your pnl and then you realize wow i've spent way too much on walmart i'm going to shut it down you don't want to do that. Uh, you want to become relevant to the search algo. You want to be present on those emerging marketplaces, but you need to do it in a very like resource-limited fashion.
0: I see. That's like concrete advice. I like it. <laughs> that covers Corey's three suggestions. Before we wrap up this episode, we discuss some of Walmart's motives when it comes to marketplace.
1: The last thing I, I'll say is for those sellers who are in the one piece space or even just selling on Walmart in Walmart stores increasingly Walmart is actually asking vendors to expand into Walmart marketplace and there's two reasons why one one is Walmart may actually not find it profitable for them to negotiate a cost and sell it at MSRP the vendor requires and secondly the expanded assortment and the whole catalog management piece may not be as scalable as Walmart may want it to be. So they wanna put the responsibility on the vendor. And the great thing for Walmart is they get that 15% take rate on a Walmart marketplace listing. So if the buyer says, "No, we don't wanna take your full assortment, we'll just take one of these variants and put it in stores the seller can then say, okay, cool, so I'm going to put the rest of it on Walmart Marketplace. And the cool thing is they can now use data to justify why the rest of the variants should go into a Walmart store. So I think it's a really, really important lever for in-store or even just 1P uh, vendors, who can get that sales history directly with the Walmart customer, and then go back to the buyer and say, hey, I know you said no to this item six months ago, but we've actually done really well in Walmart Marketplace. And I want to give you this, you know, special cost to get it into 1P. What do you say? So I think that's, that's really the last thing I can think of when it comes to Marketplace and how it can benefit these 1P sellers.
0: To finish up, I return to my digital wishlist question. To round us out, I'm going to circle back to our digital wish list question, if you were actually able to think about it. So what is something that has been on your digital wish list? It lives in the cart, on a browser, in a tab, whatever, but something that you just won't actually purchase and why?
1: Oh, well, I do that a lot. I, I just geek out over things and I just stare at it. I'm just like, I oh, can't get it. It's just not worth it. Probably the one that comes to mind is, and this is kind of just like a hot topic right now, it's just VR. So, you know, of course, Facebook is talking about their $300 VR headset. And then I'm like, it can't, it can't be that cheap. And then I start doing research and I realize, oh, okay, this is what I need. I need the Valve, Valve Index VR headset. Okay, I need a computer. Uh, what kind of computer? Oh, wow, it's $5,000. All right. All right, now I need these special headphones. Okay, that's that's a thousand. And then, at the end of it all, I realize, okay, it's going to cost me seven thousand dollars to get a VR headset, not three hundred like Facebook is saying. So that's probably going to be forever on my on my wish list and until you know the tech catches up and makes it more affordable. But I, I will say, I I got to a point where um, my wife and I were talking about VR. And then she started asking, she's like, well, can we do VR together, like play the video games together? I was like, we could, but it's going to double the cost because we need two computers then. So it's going to cost $12,000. And she's like, no, we're not doing it. So I don't know.
0: That's a hefty investment.
1: I know it's crazy, uh, but I've I've heard and I've actually used it in the past. It's really amazing um, technology and VR is really uh Impressive um, in terms of just how how photo real it's become, but the cost is prohibitive
0: Just a little bit Last question left and we ask this to everyone, but what is your favorite part about visiting Northwest Arkansas?
1: <laughs> you know, I, I actually think it's it's the employees. I, I love I love meeting with them. I, I love uh, grabbing a drink with them and Just getting to know them more as individuals with me working remote uh, i still am part of white spider but i'm one of the few remote people at the company and i find it very satisfying when i go to northwest arkansas and how welcoming they are Uh, the culture really does uh, speak for itself so i think that that's really amazing me coming from new york city having some open road and uh, having nature all around me is, is also a plus. Some grass. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yes, we were driven to Walmart, Bass Pro Shops. Eric was going to take us fishing. The hospitality here is just next level.
1: Yeah, it sure is.
0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mastering Mito and for listening to our Walmart season. As a reminder, we also have a season on Amazon for you to check out, as well as Instacart. Please like, follow, subscribe to Essential's different podcasts that are out there and stay tuned for what comes next within digital commerce. I have been your host, Emma Irwin, and you can always find me at emma.irwin at essential.com or on LinkedIn. You can find everything you need to know about Essential at essential.com. And this episode was produced by Klaus Kanzel with sound design from Ina Satenji. See you next time.